Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Conversations. Today is such an awesome discussion. I'm so excited that we have our lead pastor, Kevin Dean, and our associate pastor, James Kendall. And we're going to be talking about what does spiritual maturity look like? So what I thought I would do is go around the table and Kevin, will you kick us off? If this is somebody's first time listening, can you just give them a little smidge of what you do, who you are, but also how would you define in your own words, spiritual maturity? Okay, so that's a layered question there. There's a lot to that. No, uh, so if you want to know who I am, I guess I'm a native of Florida and a native of St. Petersburg. And so I love the city. I love the people of the city. Um, I love the the vibe of our city. I know some people like Tampa better and other people like... For me, I feel like this is home. And it's not home because of its location. For me, it's home because of the people. And so I love our congregation and I love our people. And so... I think that's important to know about me if you're going to know me is that our people matter to me. When it comes to spiritual maturity, how I would define that, I would define that uh, in two ways. I would say it's sort of a destination and it's a process. Mm. And so how I would, the picture I would probably use with that is our understanding of owning a dog. If you are in elementary school, your understanding of the family dog is hey, I get to play with it. It's all the good things about it. It's pretty simple. Once you get into high school, there are other things that compete for your affection. And you begin to this idea of you want the dog to be there when you get home and you love the way the dog greets you, but your life becomes a little more compartmentalized, but you begin to understand someone's got to feed the dog and someone's got to walk the dog. You just don't want it to be you. And then as you get into college and you leave and go away someplace, you want the dog to be there when you get home. You understand that the dog has a finite lifespan. You begin to want your own dog when you you want to have that. But then when you move into home ownership or you uh, begin for the very first time to own your first dog, you begin to understand things like vet bills Mm. and boarding when you go on vacation. And even when you begin to have children and when you become a grandparent, you begin to think, how does the dog interact with the kids? And so there's this ongoing maturing understanding of what dog ownership looks like. And I think our faith is the same way. Spiritual maturity can be very simple when you first come to Christ. Hey, I get basic one-on-one stuff. I love Jesus and that's enough. And then as you begin to grow, you begin to realize that there's more to our faith than just, hey, daddy, how you doing? High five it and that's it. It begins to interact with your world differently. And, and as you progress you begin to understand spiritual disciplines. You begin to understand how your faith impacts those around you. And pretty soon your eyes come off yourself and you really begin to see a hurting and dying world and the power of the gospel transformation in people's lives. That is both a destination and a process. That is such a great answer and one that I never heard of. And it made me think of the thief on the cross because in some ways, like he got to go right to heaven. 
but then in some ways he missed out on the process that maybe the disciples got to have or that we get to have. That's good. Um, so Pastor James, same question. What would you add to that? Do you have anything you would add to the definition of spiritual maturity? And tell us something about you. Well, I am not a native of Florida. I'm <laughs> from Missouri originally, lived all around the Southeast in a, a few year, um, I'll call it a mission trip in California. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> I was out I there, but um, Florida for me has always been the promised land. Um, lived here for a little bit in high school, always wanted to make it back, and so happy to be back in God's state. Um, God's state, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying my time here. And um, with spiritual maturity, I think it's, um, Kevin gave a long answer. I'll give the short Sunday school answer is it's looking more like Jesus every day in every way. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. building on his answer, the more, I think the more you grow, the more you realize how far away you are. Yeah. That when you don't know much, you feel like I got this Christianity thing down. As you grow and get more mature, you actually realize you have a lot more growing to do. And I think that's part of maturity is realizing who you are in Christ and who you would be without Christ. I love both of those answers. That's good. Yeah. So today, one of the things I wanted to talk about, because it's something that we've been learning um, from Pastor Kevin, which are the five C's. And so can you, first of all, can you do a reminder, or maybe it's somebody's first time, what are the five C's and how do they apply to the church? And then we're going to talk about the role they play in spiritual maturity. I think anytime you talk about discipleship, that is a buzzword right now in the Christian world or in the church world. And so whenever you talk about discipleship, the question that needs to follow up is, what do you actually mean by that? Well, one of the ways we here at Faith Covenant try to address that is we look at how do we try to identify where people are today and then what's a reasonable next step? What are some simple things we can help them and encourage them and pray for them to take another step? And really, all those five C's are are simple categories. And we look to go, when we see our people, because we see people as individuals, not necessarily as groups, and we go, where are they spiritually? What what are their understanding? What are their practices? What's their knowledge? What's their experiences? And then we try to place them so that then we can look at what does it mean for us to have a program or something or relationship to help them take a step closer. So really the five C's are just five categories that we try to figure out where people are, and then we try to push them to areas in our church that will help them mature in that area. Being a former nurse, I think it's kind of a triage tool that you use to find out where to help somebody the very best you can. Oh, I like that. It's a great example. Yeah. What would you say to that, James? Anything you'd add? No, I think it's just good. It's a good way to help see where people are and then think of some good tools and some good, um, just specific things that they need to work on to really take the next step in their spiritual growth. Yeah, And really for us, it's not a perfect tool. We know that there are people uh, in the, you might be partly in two and partly in three, and that's okay. It's not, you know, there's only five categories. You know, there's a lot of uniqueness to people. But the other thing is in those categories, we have biblical definitions right from scripture, every line that defines that category. And most of the categories have tend to, 10 to 15 maybe lines and it's these are some of the qualities practices habits and um dependencies of someone in that area so that we can have an accurate measurement as best as we can yeah so i would think that probably we have all been somewhere at the very first c and worked through and some is it possible that you are in a certain c and sometimes you go backwards 
because sure. of seasons. What yeah. does that look like? I think it's a little bit like sanctification. I think when I become a new creation and I change teams, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, I still hear the voice of the former team captain. Gotcha. I still hear him talking to me. But sometimes, like when I'm on a mission trip, I find myself further away from his voice because the voice I'm pursuing and listening to is the Holy Spirit. But then when I come back home and I re-enter my life that's been constructed here, you know, when I listen to that old voice again yeah. and I find myself going, hmm. And so, yes, I think it, there is some movement that way. But our hope is that in general, it trends one way. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, can you tell me what the five C's are? Sure, ab- absolutely. The first one, everybody's been in that C and it is a, a community person. And really a simple definition is you live in our community and you breathe. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just not, I mean, we've all, you're not a believer. You don't attend a church. Yeah. You don't have any spiritual connection to us whatsoever. And so what are the things that we want to, to see happen in your life? What's in a manageable next step to help you take a step closer? So some people would call it like maybe pre-evangelism gotcha. or you know what those people need the gospel. Yes. That's what I needed when I was there. I needed the gospel. And I needed a church to help me understand that gospel and people to help me understand that gospel. The next one would be a crowd person. And a crowd person has, they live in the community and they breathe. But a crowd person might have a connection to our church. Maybe they come on Christmas or Easter. Maybe they their kids attend VBS here. Maybe they grew up knowing there's a volleyball net in the corner. I go to that church on the corner that has that volleyball league or whatever it was. But they really don't know. They still need the gospel. But there are a few other things that at least they are open to spiritual things and they are trying to understand what does assurance of forgiveness look like? What does a community look like? What does it known what does it mean to be known and to know on a deeper level? Mm. Because they're beginning yeah. to experience some basic community. So it's like there's familiarity now. Absolutely. Start, yeah. mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's a heart that seems to be softening. And so they begin to look at the gospel in a, in a, through a different, deeper lens. Okay. A convinced person is someone who has come to know Christ. And this is sort of like Christian 101, if you will. This has, um, hey, I, I, I'm saved. Yes. And there's a lot of Christians who have aged physically but have not aged spiritually Mm. and so they're kind of sitting at 101 level and so for those people we desire for them to understand the need for bible study and prayer and fellowship and evangelism in order to grow in their relationship we want them to understand some basic christian doctrines of the bible the character of god the attributes of god we want to see them look to be honest in presenting their request to God and and even a lifestyle issues to begin to look at their lifestyle and engage there. And then the next C would be a committed person. This is, I would say, for lack of a better term, like 201. So this is a person who would say, you know, there's more to this looking like Jesus every day in every way than I originally thought. And so they begin to be faithful to the authority that's placed over them. They begin to glorify God rather than glorify self. They really begin to go into some deeper things. They, they know the gospel and are ready to present the gospel. They possess a forgiving heart. They're in God's word consistently. They apologetics begin to, to roll in. But 
their eyes still tend to be on their own development. Because mm. that final C is what we call a core person. And this is someone who has a heart not only for their own personal growth, but they have a heart for their peers at work, yeah. for the people where they live, learn, work, and play, for their children, for their neighbors, for their family members. And they begin to work on what does it look like to steward my resources in a much deeper way? What does it look like? What does humility really look like in a follower's life? What does it look like to continually evaluate my life through the lens of the fruit of the Spirit? Okay. That's a different yeah. person. And they eyes come off themselves and they begin to walk with people in the same journey they are walking on themselves. Wow. Not something they finished. Yeah. They're still walking it, but they're walking it with others. If I were to summarize what I just heard you say, I would say that it's, it goes from that place that they're out in community and I, I'm kind of isolated in my home. It's just about me to, hey, I might want to plug in. I might want to have familiarity, but you can't get too close to finally realizing I need to be in community. And I think that's a hard thing in this world today because we're so social media minded. We confuse proximity and actual um, being. We think it's the same thing as online as being in person. So then that, when I'm thinking about that, four, that, is that 4C then when we start going, we're going to be plugged into a small group. We're going to be accountable. We're going to participate. And then 5C is where we start to multiply out and we start to invite other people to join us. Is that? Certainly. I think you could join a small group much earlier on, but the reason you join that small group ah, is probably okay. different when you're a, a 3C. If you're a convinced person, sometimes you join because your spouse asks you to. Yeah. Sometimes you join because you want friendship. Sometimes you join because you feel like, at least at our church, we talk about it all the time. And so if I'm going to be a part, apparently I need to, you know, yes. so your motivation. But the longer you're there, you're like, these are my people. That's and I'm, grow I, I'm understanding my Bible differently because I'm reading it, mm -hmm. maybe knowledge. I'm, I would say when you're in a small group, Content, relationship, and experiences happen. And when those circles overlap, the Holy Spirit does an incredible work in your life. I love that. So let's stop for a minute and talk about content, which is knowledge. It's, it's taking in all that knowledge. Um, Pastor James, what is the difference between, like, are there people who really know the Word of God, but maybe they're spiritually not mature? And why would that be? Yeah, I mean, I think knowledge is important. If you don't know who God is, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know the Bible, then um, you can do whatever you want to. The Bible is our standard that shows us what we have to measure up to. So the knowledge part is important, but I think maturity comes more than knowledge. And the way I think of it is um, when I was in seminary, I worked at an um, after-school program at a local private school, um, taking care of the kindergartners when they got out. And there were several kids that came that were too young to be in kindergarten. They couldn't go to public school because they didn't meet the cutoff, but their parents were determined that they had the prodigy child. And so they would put their <laughs> kid in kindergarten in this private school because their kid was so smart. And their kids were book smart. They could read even though they were four. They knew math. Mm -hmm. But interacting with the other kids, they were terrible. They couldn't play well with the other kids. They didn't get along. They had this great knowledge, but maturity wow. for interacting with others was very low on their scale. And so there's knowledge is important, but that doesn't, that's not the only defining part of maturity. You do have to know what the Bible says. You do have to know who Jesus is, but then maturity is the way you live it out, the way you apply it, the way you interact with others, the way you treat others. I've known people that 
know a lot of Bible verses, but they're complete jerks. And um, so you got to have both in there. You have to have the knowledge, but then more than that, it's what you do with it and how you live it out. So good. So good. We're reading in Proverbs right now in Aspen, and um, we just defined wisdom, and it says wisdom is knowledge with application. And so I think wisdom is the practice piece. So let's talk about the practice piece. It's pivotal in our uh, church. We talk about it all the time. I think it is life-changing. How would you explain the practice piece to somebody who's never heard that before, Pastor Kevin? Well, I think, like James said, there's this idea of knowing, and then there's an idea of, of living. And so even with the knowledge, maybe in wisdom discussion we just had, every parent knows what this means because when their child comes home after a curfew, it's one thing to know what time they were supposed to be home. It's another thing to be home or to have a contrite heart Mm -hmm. that they were late because God is not, this might be a little controversial, I don't know that He's after my perfection as much as he's after my contrite heart, Mm. a broken spirit, someone who is longing to look like him. And so the practice becomes, I don't want to talk about forgiveness. What does it look like to actually do it? Mm. Last night, the students had movie and theology night. And so we watched the movie Wonder. It's a great movie. And afterwards, we began to have this conversation about things they learned in the movie and what they learned about God. And they were wrestling with how we want to be forgiven when we're the offender, but we're, when we're the offended, we don't want to extend forgiveness. Mm. And they were really wrestling with that. Practice means sometimes I'm going to have to risk forgiving even when I don't want to. And so there's putting into practice and allowing the Holy Spirit to reign in my life. And if I'm, how do I live joyful outside of circumstances? How do I not have situational ethics? How do I really listen to the Holy Spirit step by step in the day and follow his leading to either stop and pray for someone? We did this on a mission trip this summer with some of our young adults who were in Detroit. And one of the hardest things for them to do is sit and wait and listen rather than to do and ask the Holy Spirit to bless what is the Holy Spirit doing, and how do I join them in that? Sort of the old school experiencing God thought. The practice of that is very important of patience before the Lord, of listening to the Lord, of knowing when to keep my mouth closed, Mm -hmm. and knowing when to speak. So practice is not just I'm doing a bunch of good deeds to earn God's favor. I'm responding to what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying in me moment by moment, step by step. Such a great explanation. This next question um, might be a little difficult, but you guys just jump in as the Lord leads you. How do you measure spiritual maturity when you are walking with somebody or working with somebody or living with somebody? How do you measure spiritual maturity? The number of likes on their Instagram. How about that? <laughs> is that, is that, that it? Is that it? No, okay. So that's not it. Darn, I was so close. Temporarily, it feels yeah. like it is, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would... Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. I think some of it goes back to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How do they demonstrate those not just in the good times but in the bad times is really when the fruit comes out, when it matters. I also um, I also think some of the qualifications in First Timothy and Titus for elders is a key gauge as well 
because while that's the requirements for elders, that's signs of spiritual maturity. Um, and so looking at those, how do people measure up on their self-controlledness, their temperateness, their dedication to their spouse? Um, I think those give us good guidelines, a good list, a way to look at people and say, hey, how do they measure up to these biblical requirements or these biblical descriptions of what maturity and being filled with the Spirit should look like? Yeah, we should all aspire to that list, even if we're not aiming to be an elder in the church. Absolutely. Oh, that's really good. Well, because those qualities speak to my vertical relationship with God, but they also speak to my horizontal relationship with others. So there is not only who I am when no one's looking, who I am in my relationship with Christ and what he's doing in me and through me, through me. but it's also what does it look like in my relationships? Because part of those qualifications are, um, do you have a good reputation mm. with, you know, around, do people look at you and go, there's something different about you. You as a small business owner do things differently. You as a whatever, boy, you throw me for a loop because I don't understand. Yeah. And that's usually a sign of going, so perhaps yeah. something's different in their life. They're doing business. They're doing their families differently. Yeah. When you start to hear things like, really, that doesn't make you mad or you know that God is doing a work because the old you that you would have responded to it, you see that fruit showing up. That's the most interesting thing of fruit is that we don't produce it. It's Holy Spirit given. And so sometimes we don't even see fruit being born. It's when somebody else points it out. Right. And it's hard too, because what we also want to do is we want to call it the fruits of the spirit. Mm. And what we want to say is I'm growing in patience, but I'm not growing in one of the other ones. That's not how it works. Um, He is working all of those in me and the fruit of the spirit should be, those are changing in me. And so while I wish I could work on one and just do one at a time, God, it doesn't work that way. And so maturity is you are, you are, you might not be growing in all of them exactly the same. I don't mean to imply that, but there is a sense of people see Kevin kinder today than he was yesterday. He should be more patient today than he was yesterday. Yeah. And it, and it grieves their heart when they're not. Yes. So if you were talking to an audience right now who says, I really want to grow in knowing God, I really want to grow in spiritually maturing, what would you say to them? Read your Bible in community. It's mm. the number one thing. You got to read the word. Um, you got to be in community. Yeah. You need to read the word because you do need to not have the knowledge and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you got to be in community with people that will encourage you, people that will challenge you, people that can point out your flaws, the ways that you are falling short. I think those are the two two of the biggest keys for growing spiritually. What about just sitting at home and having your quiet time every day but not in community? Where does that fall short? Well, it's definitely important that you read your Bible for yourself and not um, just listen to others. But if you're just doing it on your own, then you're subject to your own interpretation, to ignoring the passages you don't like, to ignoring your own flaws. Whereas when you're in community, when you're in others, they're going to bring out parts of the scripture that perhaps you missed, perhaps parts that you did not see. And as well, because they see you, they love you, and they know you, they'll be able to see your flaws, your blind spots that you just don't see. So the community is a huge part. Um, That's why you look at the Bible, they were together daily in houses, Acts 2, um, spending time in fellowship and the word that that's very vital is that you be part of a community and not think you can do solo Christianity. I really like that definition. And I like that you reminded us that it was in, it was a daily 
practice that they had. Well, that's very important. So the most important word that James said there was the word in. He didn't say read the Bible and be in community. He said read the Bible in community. So don't think that I read my Bible at home and then I attend a church service is at all what we're talking about. No, it's reading the Bible and then discussing the Bible in community. Iron sharpening iron. Correct. It's reading your Bible and letting your Bible read you and then sitting with a group of people and talking and, and, and mining it and having these connectors that help us not only understand what it says, but then help hold us accountable to do what it says or to stop doing something. There's a sense of, I need someone to help me. How would you define um, having the Bible read you? I can have the right answers to win a trivia contest. Mm -hmm. When I was a youth pastor, there was um, something called quizzing. They would memorize scripture and then they would sit in a competition and the moderator would ask a question. When you stood up, a buzzer would go off and then you would answer the question. That's reading your Bible. I've got all the right answers. Letting the Bible read me is right now, as we're walking through the book of Jeremiah going, I wonder if I'm an idolater. Mm. I I wonder if what God has for me is that I still worship my children, or I still am... And am not leading in my home. I am, and you begin to wrestle with your own sin. You begin to wrestle with these new callings that God is is placed in your life, and you begin to wrestle with, okay, God, what what does that mean? But that allows Him the space to speak into your heart and into your life and interrupt you, when we don't generally like interruptions. Ooh, that's such a great um, example of what that looks like. Well, I know that we're getting close to the end of our time here. And so I had asked you to pray about, can you think of a time in your life um, that if you could do it over, you would do it differently? (laughs) How have you you grown in applying action to your knowledge? Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, I would say for me, I would consider myself like the Apostle Paul that I grew up knowing all the Bible stories. I was a pastor's kid, the quizzing. I knew all the answers, knew all the verses. I, you know, when you had the Bible drills that we did to find the right passage, I always won. Um, that was, I was the <laughs> nerdy Bible pastor's kids that knew all the answers. But with that came a lot of pride and a lot of, I've got it together. I'm the good kid. I do everything right. And I think for me, my spiritual maturity has grown in the area that it's not just the knowledge, but it's also in how you treat people. It's not just in seeing the problem with the world as the people out there, but it's seeing that the problem with the world is inside of me, that I've got sin inside of me. And yes, it may not be those people's sin, and it's easy for me to sit on my high throne and throw rocks at them and judge them for their sin, but seeing that it's my own faults as well, and that just knowing the Bible, winning all the quizzes, having all the Awana awards— doesn't equate to spiritual maturity that I can have all the awards and people still go to hell. I can have all the awards and other people don't grow in their life. The spiritual maturity is more about more than just taking in it's giving out, pouring into others in the church, pouring into others in the community, taking what I know and passing it on to others. So I would say that's kind of been my growth pattern going from Pharisee to Christian. I love that. I loved when, I say this on almost every podcast now, but when um, Pastor James said, it doesn't say know the Lord your God, it says love the Lord your God. It's taking that knowledge so that you have an active, living, breathing, loving relationship, really knowing him. That's good. 
anything you regret or would do differently, Pastor wow. Kevin? <laughs> well, I would, I would, uh, I would want to add one thing to our conversation. We've sure. been talking a lot about God's word. I don't want to relegate prayer to the sidelines, but what I think is very important is when I read God's word, the groups that I'm with, these life transformation groups that, that I'm a part of throughout the week, one of the things we're looking at is when I read God's word, I learn how to pray. Mm. Not culturally how to pray, right? because culture tells me how to pray one way, and that's not what the Bible models. And so I don't want to relegate prayer, but reading God's Word will help me understand prayer in some new ways and go, I'm not nearly as good at that as I think I am, and I need to grow in my understanding. For me, I would be almost the opposite of James. I grew up when I came to know Christ on a mission trip at 16. I compartmentalized my life, and so I didn't read my Bible. I I knew the stories because I, I did grow up in church, but I don't know that I valued God's word. I don't know that I thought it had a place in my life today. And I was actually at a Promise Keepers event of all things mm-hmm. in Tampa. And I left one person and came home another because when I was talking to my wife about, I think I'm called into ministry, my wife's line is, but you don't even know your Bible. Wow. And I was like, who ask you? <laughs> you know, like I did not I say hope that. Lori's listening. Yeah, yeah, I did not say that. Just, but that's what I felt like mm-hmm. inside, and what I realized is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know God's calling on my life from a sense of not just calling to ministry, just as a follower. Mm-hmm. What does He want from me? What is His purpose? How can I serve and love Him in very clear ways? And this book, like, opens everything up for us. And it's outside of me, and it doesn't care how I feel per se. It doesn't care if it's raining or where I'm located. Mm -hmm. Truth is truth is truth, and it has this weird way of always impacting me. So I I wish I had started much, much earlier walking with someone going, hey, what does that mean? Hey, help me see that. Hey, um, can we look at all of it and not just the easy, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? That's a great tagline. But I don't think I understood anything about suffering until I read yeah. it for myself with people. Yeah, I really like that. I like when we talk about truth that God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Absolutely. Because culture changes all the time and we're watching it right now. Well, what a great conversation we got to have today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. And audience, I pray that you are so blessed as you are listening, you know, and then there might be two schools of, of people out there. You might be listening and you're just starting to read the word of God. And I love that we get to come as we are. God is faithful to meet us right where we're at. And maybe you're listening and you've been reading your Bible your whole life and you're thinking, I need fresh wind and fresh fire. And so I pray that pivotal piece of practice comes in and it gives you just that. Um, I hope that you will stay close to the Lord, stay in the word, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.